This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. When I grew up in El Segundo over by the LA airport and uh, my dad lived in Eagle Rock in the Pasadena area. I didn't see him too much. I, I lived with my mom and we're in a beach town, but my mom had serious, serious mental issues. She was a uh, she was an extreme hoarder. If you ever watched A&E and hoarding and that type of scenario, I grew up in that for about 19 years. And uh, actually, I lived about one-third of my life in a garbage dump, to be truthful with you. I was a, a kind of a social recluse. My mom had schizophrenia. We were asked to leave a lot of public places. We weren't, I wasn't allowed into places, into homes, and uh, asked to stay out. You know, I don't know how evil an eight-year-old kid can be, but that was kind of my, that was kind of my life growing up school phobic, poor performer, didn't have a whole lot going my way, but I did play football, and uh, I found, like a lot of people in pain, they found kind of some outlet that they kind of resolved their pain in. Mine was going to the weight room and hitting people on a football field, and uh, I played uh, two years at El Camino over Redondo Beach, Torrance area, and then I decided I want to be a mountain man, transferred to Central Washington State College to, to finish my last two years to play for them in Ellensburg, Washington just because I wanted to get closer to the mountains. But the problem is my, my girlfriend or football or weightlifting or hugging trees or whatever it was, it, it still didn't take away my childhood pain. How many people know that Jesus said, whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again? I don't care if you're in the top of your business uh, career right now, you're doing well in school, you, you, know, you're just, you just seem to be doing great in some particular achievement or goal. There, there's, there's only one water that really satisfies you, you. You will always be thirsty again. And here I was at the age of 21, and I was thirsty again. And God was after me like a, like a hound dog. You know, people say, I found Jesus. That's really theologically incorrect. You don't find Jesus. He finds you. In fact, let me just say this. You're visiting today. Christianity is the only religion in the world where God comes after you. In, 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 whether it's Buddhism, Taoism, you know, Hinduism, whatever ism that people are into, they really are on a, on a search for God. They're, they're searching ignorantly, but they're searching for God. But Christianity is the only, only faith around the world where God comes after you. And the only way that you can respond to him and be accepted by him is not by going on a pilgrimage or doing Ramadan or, you know, just starving yourself to death or beating yourself to death, but to receive him by faith. Isn't that beautiful? And that's what happened to me. I led my girlfriend to Jesus. We got married and stayed in the state of Washington. And that's where I met Chad's dad, David Veach. And uh, David went to the same college that I went to. We became Christians together. And for about a four-year period, we were kind of in and out of each other's lives. We, we kind of found each other in weird places. One time I took five kids uh, after my first year of teaching way up in the mountains. I was 15 miles in backpacking. And there at a mountain lake was Chad's dad fishing with another buddy with a 12-pack of Brutsky. And, uh, and all these kids from the little Pentecostal church that I was pastoring at, they said, man, we got a witness to these guys. They need to get saved. And I didn't have a heart to tell them that they were saved. But, uh, but just, uh, we're, we'll, I'll pretend he's not. And, uh, Chad's dad and I both uh, got married on the same day. Same year, same hour, 
Come on, June 10th, 1 o'clock, 1978. Both married two beautiful women who actually love each other, best of friends. And then, of course, through the course of time, uh, Dave's firstborn married my firstborn. And uh, Chad was at a Thanksgiving meal. You know, he was kind of a young rock star, youth pastor there in a booming town of Puyallup, Washington. It's not Puyallup, it's Puyallup. And... Uh, there he was, and he needed to take a date to a Christmas party, staff Christmas party, and he wanted someone who wasn't going to fall in love with him because, you know, that's what he did. He, he just swept women off their feet. And, <laughs> and uh, so he thought my daughter Julia was safe, and uh, there he is driving up to the, to the banquet in Seattle. He looks across the, the car, and Adam found Eve. And... Uh, his eyes were open, spirit of illumination opened his eyes, and wow, okay, that's all he could say. You know why we call the female species women? It's because when God brought Eve to Adam, he just said, whoa, man. Okay, so that was Chad, and so they fell in love and got married, and uh, it's been one big happy family. And so I have, with my good friend Dave Veach, I have three grandchildren together with him, and it's exciting. You know, Chad and Julia were both, I, I've known Chad since he was about two months old. And, uh, you know, I watched his dad throw him up in the air. And his dad used to chuck him. I mean, chuck him up there. There's reasons why Chad is the way he is. There was, there was some jerking going around in that cranium. Something else. They were both tough, tough kids, both of them, both wild at heart. You know, Julia, before she met Chad, it was about a few years before she started dating Chad, she comes down here to the Emmys with some guy who was just some, you know, buddy. She says, we're going to crash the, the, the Emmys party. And, uh, and, of course, they got the limos after the, the evening event, and all the actors are hopping into the limos to go to some red carpet event. And Julia jumps into the limo with the cast from The Sopranos. True story. And think, who is that? And she just acting like she belonged to the whole cast and the whole thing. Rode all the way to the red carpet party. That's the kind of wild at heart people that they are. I, I can't tell stories of Chad because uh, some of it is illegal. And uh, <laughs> both of them, you know, set the Guinness Book of World Records for spankings. And uh, both leaders, socialites, shoppers, okay, both love stylish clothes and great food but they're lovers of Jesus. Amen? I want to talk to you today on Father's Day, on, on the Father's blessing. I'd like you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14. And uh, I, have, I, I got it right there on the PowerPoint here. Let's read this. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Who has blessed us. Everyone say, he blessed me. Now, he says it's not going to bless you. Actually, in the Greek, it won't say has blessed. It'll just say he blessed us. Now, notice, he blessed us in Christ. And you're going to see through these verses I'm going to read, everything's in him, in Christ, in him, in Christ. Everything I receive, everything you receive, comes from what Jesus did for you and I on the cross. He blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. That's the beloved son. 
in the beloved. I'm doing great. I'm old. I lost my place. Here we go. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, is a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That means God's in control of your life, by the way. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him... You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know, what do fathers give us? Let's talk about fathers on Father's Day very quickly here. First, fathers give us identity. You know, in the Bible, I wouldn't be known as Bob McGregor. I'd be known as Bob, son of Don. That was my dad's name. Julia would not be known as Julia Veach. She'd be known as Julia, daughter of Bob McGregor. And they always identified sons and daughters to their dads. And the reason being is because God wanted fathers to establish their children's identity. You know, the problem with living in a genderless culture where we have no distinction between male and female roles and we have no distinction many times between fathers and mothers, is that the Bible tells us in Genesis that he made both male and female in the image of God. It says, in the image of God, he created them. So women express the image of God, and all that they are is women. To take that away, we lose the image of God. Men were created in the image of God and all that they are. And to put them together, we get a full view of the image of God. Mothers nurture. Mothers are nurturers. My kids, when they were crying, when they got hurt, they never came to me. I was like, rub a little dirt on it. They came to their, they came to their mom. We have four daughters. Julie has three sisters, by the way. We have nine, we're going to have nine grandchildren here. Her little sister is kind of in semi-labor as we're preaching. And uh, it's exciting, exciting. Four daughters. That was lonely until Chad came along. <laughs> Men dying on the battlefield never cry out for dad. They cry out for mama. Fathers, on the other hand, they, they, they're the ones who establish identity. You know, I had a, a situation here where my dad was kind of a, a woman chaser, not kind of, he was a wild man. He was... He put Howard Hughes to shame, so not Howard Hughes, but yeah, Howard Hughes and Hugh Hefner and everybody else that's got a Hugh in it. <laughs> so I got contacted on Ancestry.com that, uh, that this man thought he was my half-brother, and so I did the whole DNA test, and sure enough, he was my half-brother. He's a year older than me, met him here a few months ago, and he searched his whole life to find out who his mom and his dad were. And especially he wouldn't quit till he found out who is my dad. Had great adopted parents. He had a good upbringing, but there was that thing that was missing in him of who am I. You know, fathers develop security. In other words, everything's going to be okay. I was so proud of Chad when my family went through probably the most difficult thing we faced. Georgia, Gigi's 
diagnosis with lysencephaly. You know, one thing I was so proud of Chad that what he did as a dad and as a husband, he says, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to love God, love people, and love life. In other words, what do we do? We just get up and we just keep moving. We get, get up, we keep living. We're not going to stop living. We're going to move forward. You know, that builds security in people. He didn't go off into a corner and, where are you, God? And I'm mad at God and I won't read the Bible and I don't do this. We love God, we love people, and we love life, and let's move forward. That's security. That's what dads do. That's what husbands do. Come on, fathers give us character. Fathers see down the road to see what's needed for success. You know, Julia, she had a, one of her favorite things growing up was a bucket called the disrespect bucket. And so every time she got a little sassy, I gave her a bucket and go fill it up with weeds. And this is why she doesn't like gardening today. But she's got character. She's got character. Hates flowers, but has character. Fathers bring blessing. Come on. God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Come on. Romans 8, 32. Paul says, if God did not spare his own son, but with him, will he not also with him freely give us all things? God's not a miser. God's extravagant. You ever heard of a sugar daddy? Come on, that's what dads do. They just love to give. They just love to give. They just love to give. You know, my kids, when they wanted to go shopping growing up, they never went with my wife. Because you don't, that's too much. No, you already got one of those. No, they would go with me. I would say, just shop, buy whatever you want, and I'll be reading over in the chair. You'll see me afterwards. Why? Because I want to bless. The Father's also given us an inheritance. The Bible says a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Why? Because they naturally want to bless. My wife and I have a trust. We're constantly thinking, what do we want to leave? Julia and her three sisters and their husbands. I know Chad's dad's the same way. That's what we want to do. We want to leave a blessing. Okay? And so they have to wait until I die, but they're going to get a blessing. Now, what if my, my father neglected or abandoned or abused me? It's a great question. Why, why, what do I do with that, Bob? Because fathers are really gone absent in our culture. I was involved in a ministry called Urban Progress when I was a youth pastor in Portland, Oregon. And we had basketball clubs and Bible studies and we did it on Friday evenings. And I was dropping all these kids off in the, in the hood, the different apartment complexes. And this mother came out to the window and she said, you know what, last, last month this particular ministry had a mother-daughter banquet. She goes, maybe we could have a, and I'll never forget this, maybe we can have a, a, a child parent, I mean a son parent banquet. I said, okay, and then she caught herself and she looked at me and her head bowed and she just looked up at me and she said, we don't have many dads around here. I know we live in a, a society where we, dad isn't showing up. I think it's the key to America's future. I think it's the key to our schools. I think it's the key to society. I think it's a key to character. It's a key to return us to sanity. But I want to say this if you're in that place. Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6 says, The Father, God is the Father of the fatherless, and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. You may, your dad may have jumped ship, but you have now God as your father. David said, Psalm 27, verse 10, Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. I have a book of stories of fatherless men and, and women who have, God has picked up their cause in life. And they are blessed because God took them on. My, our, our church plant in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, we plant a lot of churches out of our church. And, 
And uh, it's, it's a great church, about 1,500 people. It's growing like crazy. It's been like a, a flagship church in that area of the country. The, the pastor, both his parents were killed at the age of eight. His sister was killed at the age of 16. He has serious anxiety issues, so broken. But I watch God over and over and over again open doors for him, bless him throughout his whole life. I've known him for almost 30 years. God has blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. The Bible says these blessings will overtake you. God is a father to the fatherless. Even if my mother and father forsake me, come on, God will pick my case up. Now, I want to talk to you a second about a place that we need to talk about called the heavenly realm. It's actually the place where I do my banking as a believer in Jesus. You know, Paul's writing this letter from a prison cell, but he's talking about another place, another location called the heavenly realm. He says you're blessed through this heavenly realm. This particular place is a place that you and I enter into in this life, even on earth, even prior to Jesus coming again. And what do, I, what do I experience in that heavenly realm? It's in that heavenly realm that Jesus entered before me and before you and presented his blood for my sins and your sins to the Father. It's in this heavenly realm that God has adopted you. It's in this heavenly realm that God bends his ear to hear your prayers. It's in this heavenly realm that God's got a bunch of stuff to load on you. Come on, do you believe that? Yeah. Say the person next to you, I believe that. Because of this heavenly blank bank that the Father has set up for us, there, out of this realm, there are, there are certain realities that define who you and I are. Here we go. One, as I am blessed. Come on, he's blessed you. Blessed be the God and the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, who has blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing. It doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing right now. God has blessed you. He has loaded you with stuff. Come on. The game ain't over yet. The gun hasn't gone off yet. Come on. The referee hasn't blown the whistle yet. I was 17 years old. I was just about 12 miles from here, sitting on a, in a second-story apartment porch, looking at a Standard Oil refinery at the age of 17. My mom was the town crazy lady. I was being sexually abused. I had no food to eat. And I was just sitting there looking at that refinery. And I said to myself, my life will always be this way. If you told me at the age of 17 that one day you will travel the world, that one day you'll, you'll start churches all over the place, one day you'll have more friends you know what to do with, one day you're going to have a beautiful wife that will love you like no one else, four beautiful daughters, four great son-in-laws, purpose, health, life, blessing. I would never have believed you. But he had a plan. He had a purpose. I am blessed. Well, the second thing I am is I am chosen. Come on, even as he chose you in him before the foundation of the world. You know, probably nothing hurts more than rejection. I've seen it. I've experienced it. You've experienced it, maybe on different levels. But nothing's worse than someone just saying, you're not welcome here. We don't want you. No, but nothing is more a great blessing is that I'm wanted or you're wanted. Come on. That's the uniqueness, I said, of Christianity. Come on. We don't go after God. God comes after us. Why does he come after us? Because he wants you. When I was a youth pastor doing youth camps, I used to choose the nerdiest kids in the camp to form my team. 
water balloon wars and take on the whole camp. I talk trash to the camp, every jock, every football player, every basketball player. We're going to kick your butt today, me and these dweebs. <laughs> these kids were just strutting, pounding their chest. I didn't have the heart to tell them we were going to get massacred. They're going to have welts all over their body. But they were so excited because the camp speaker chose them. So that's God. God goes to the back of the line and says, you know what? I want you on my team. I want you on my team. He chose us. Thirdly, I'm adopted. One of the beauties of adoption, one of the beautiful pictures of it, is that it's parent-initiated. Those parents go after that kid to adopt. Kids don't write letters, would you please adopt me? Parents go after the kid. Second truth is that we become sons, not slaves. Sons, not slaves. When Jesus said, after this manner, pray, our Father who art in heaven. You know, that, that, to us, it's just the Lord's Prayer. But in that day, man, you would, you would say stuff like, to Yah who rides upon the clouds, to the Ancient of Days, to the, the Mysterious One, the One who, who dwells in inapproachable light. And then Jesus says, when you come to God, just say, Daddy. So if you go to Jerusalem today, you see a bunch of kids playing in the park. They're running after their dad. They'll say, Abba, Abba. The Bible says, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the Spirit himself cries out within us. Abba. We receive the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Abba, or Daddy, Daddy. I've had the honor of, of working at some of the most dangerous places around the world. Afghanistan, Tajikistan. Turkey, Iran, those places where I work with the underground church. And, you know, one of the people that are heroes of mine are really YWAM missionaries are really church planning on those most dangerous places. I was in Kabul, Afghanistan, and I was at this particular house where they, they were stationing me. And these two, this couple, young couple from Colorado, two little kids, blonde hair, blue eyed. You know, they came to say, hey, pastor, we have a one way ticket to Kazakhstan to go up into the mountains to reach this unreached people group. We don't have enough money to return, but we want you to pray to see if Dad wants us to go. That's how they talk. Dad, does Dad want us to go? So I said, I prayed, and the Lord said, they're to go. You know why they can go like that? Because they know that God is Dad. And if Dad tells me to go there, he'll take care of me. They lasted two years in those mountains. Two years. They started businesses. They planted churches. God, Dad, took them there. Come on, I'm adopted. I'm not a slave. Come on. And I'm accepted. He says that we are in love. He, he, he chose us through Christ and made us accepted or blessed in the beloved. The ESV says blessed. We are blessed or accepted, favored. That's what the idea is. Why? Because you're in. God accepts you and he favors you because you're in. Because you're a child. You're a son. You're a daughter. Come on, we are we, are, we also, we are lavished with grace. I am lavished with grace. I mean lavish. The word lavish means great amounts, without limits. So what does God lavish on me? He lavishes on me grace. He lavishes on me undeserving favor, undeserving kindness, undeserving help, undeserving healings. He lavishes that upon us. And part of that is the forgiveness of our trespasses. I just led my sister to Christ. She just got baptized in our church age of I don't know what she's about, 58 years old now, and, and uh, lived a pretty tough life. She asked me all the time. So he's forgiven me for everything. I mean, like everything. Everything's forgiven. Everything is forgiven. Come on, all happened through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. That word redemption means to buy back. 
Everything I receive, everything you receive. That's why Paul kept saying, in Christ, in the beloved, in him, comes because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. You see, why that's so important is I'll never take for granted what God is doing. Because I know I'm totally undeserving of it. It, it produces worship and gratitude and humility and a pursuit of him. Six, I'm in the know. This means I'm in the know. He says that making known to us the mystery of his will. You know what? God lets us in on things. You know, what is the gospel? Some people, gospel is Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and that's, that's great. That's like a chapter of the gospel. But the gospel is really the proclamation. It's not advice, by the way. We're not here to give you advice, three steps how to be a better husband, three steps how to be a better husband. You can go to a, you can go to a motivational speaker to do that. We're here to proclaim to you the greatest news in the world. Of two events. The first event is the cross and the resurrection where Jesus dies for my, for my sins, takes my punishment, rises from the dead because the sacrifice was accepted and demonstrating that he was not just a man. Come on, a man doesn't roll a tomb away and walk out of a grave. Come on, only God does. That's the first event. But the second event is the second coming of Jesus. We are proclaiming that Jesus will come again. As much as we eat eat this bread and drink this cup, Paul said at communion, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's a second coming. So God's got us in the know. But right now the world is rocking and rolling and shaking and booming and it's like, wow, this is kind of crazy. But I'm going to tell you, God's moving by his spirit all over the world. Habakkuk 1.5 says, I'll do a work in your day that though it told you, you would not believe. Come on, you are in great times. God's doing great things. He's building a great church. He's got a plan for L.A., He's got a plan for my little coup, Vancouver, Washington. He's got a plan for, for, or, uh, for Cambodia, where I'm going, and Africa and Uganda. He's got a plan all over the world. You're a part of a great plan. He's letting us in on the know. I was in a prophetic gathering in, in 1989 where there were real true prophets, not guys like clouds without rain, but guys really had, guys, guys really had game. And this prophet prophesied over a couple from Finland. This is when the Iron Curtain was up. He says, I'm going to use you. To, to minister to these nations. And he says, I'm going to rip three ribs out of the mouth of the bear. That's the, sick, that's the, that's the symbol of, of, of Russia and the Soviet Union. I'm going to rip, rip three ribs out of the mouth of the bear. Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania will be liberated from the USSR. Happened within six months. When God lets us in on the know. He's revealed to us the mystery of his will. That's exciting. What else am I? Well, this is great stuff. I'm glad to be God's kid, are you? I am a beneficiary. Beneficiary is a person who, who has the legal right to receive an inheritance from a life insurance policy or a trust. A death has to occur. Come on. Jesus died on the cross for us. Died on the cross for us. He has opened to us an inheritance. You have an inheritance. You know, in eternity, the Bible says we are actually joint heirs with Christ. That means that we receive, what joint heir means, if, if Chad and I were brothers and we were joint heirs, we both get the whole estate. we got to work with each other on that. We both get it. You're a joint heir with Christ. Everything the Father put on Jesus in reward, he's going to put on you. That's why the book of Revelation says we will sit with him in his throne if we overcome. Joint heirs, that's pretty, that's pretty heavy stuff, man. That's who you are. It's all coming to you. It's all coming to me. Come on, we got promises in, in this life and the next life. That's why you can walk with your shoulders high. I don't care if you're on food stamps right now. I don't care if you're getting ready to get evicted. You just kind of walk and you say, you know who I am? You know who you're talking to? I'm, a, I'm an adopted son of God. I'm an adopted daughter of God. I have obtained an inheritance. Come on. And then I'm sealed. What's that about? 
A seal was something that authenticated a document. How do I know that this promise of an inheritance and a future and everything else is great? Because you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. I experience a measure of heaven now because the Holy Spirit brings heaven now and authenticates the promise that one day I get to experience the whole package. I mean, the kingdom is now, but it's not fully yet. But we are still experiencing the kingdom of God now. I can tell you story after story of miraculous healings in our church and tumors being removed and cancers disappearing and all sorts of stuff all the time. Okay, God is on the move. People getting delivered from meth and everything else. Just come on, God is on the move. Heaven is on earth. We get that. We have an authenticated deposit of God. And lastly, I'm guaranteed a future. The Holy Spirit guarantees me my future blessing in heaven. He says in verse 14, "Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory." You buy something, you put earnest money down. That guarantees that no one can buy it out from underneath you. You have so many days to finish the sale. Well, God's put earnest money down. He's given you the Holy Spirit. And that's a down payment of some beautiful future things that are coming for you and for me. I'm telling you, you could never be happier than being in a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, who you are, who your parents are, how bad off you are right now. He's got a plan and he's going to be involved in your life. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.